Welcome to the First Responder to Rich's Remo Show, the podcast dedicated to helping first responders earn additional income and create lasting wealth through real estate. Each week, we'll break down complex concepts, debunk myths, and interview a variety of industry leaders to help you thrive beyond your professional calling. And now here's your host, top producing mortgage broker, real estate investor, and fellow first responder, Scott Sarai. Welcome back to the First Responder to Riches Remo Show. I am your host, Scott Sarai, and we have exciting stuff this week. We have a guest in studio, top performing realtor and fellow friend to the first responder community, Christy Massaro. Christy is a top performing realtor in Langley. She's married to an RCMP member. Her team is made up of spouses from the RCMP. And we had an interesting conversation this week around mindset and what first responders struggle with when it comes to trading time for money or better yet, the alternative to time for money. So uh, have a listen, look forward to this week and weeks ahead and enjoy the episode. Hey, Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you joining us today to speak to our first responders on your background and your story. Um, so before we jump into it, how about you tell our listeners about where you're at today and your journey to how you got there? Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I started real estate, uh, feels like 100 years ago. It was mostly 10. Um, and when I started, I went to a little brokerage in Surrey. I graduated out of there about three years, kind of hit my max there and came to Royal Page in Langley. Uh, this is a big office of like 250 agents. I started coaching and training about a year ago. Um, and basically I facilitate uh, moves across the lower mainland. So I don't specialize in just one area. I'll go anywhere from West Vancouver to Chilliwack. I find hope a little far for some reason, <laughs> but I go uh, go about there. And I've been in the, the top percentages uh, across the Fraser Valley for years now. It's a, it's, I love, I love this job. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. I've been following your journey for the last couple of years here. And it always seems that uh, your name's top of uh, medallion club and, and top of uh, the stat board for sure. Uh, so one thing that I know, but our listeners may not know is your family dynamic. Is there a first responder in the family? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, married into a first responder family, uh, not my, not my family, um, but I did marry a police officer. And I've been with him for 15 years, so a long time. So I've been around it. And, uh, you know, his family members are RCMP. And then I actually met my assistant on her house hunting trip because she got transferred down from the Arctic Circle uh, wow. way back, uh, like way up in Delany, like a flying community, which was kind of cool. And then uh, I just recently hired two more. Um, well, I guess not too recently for one of them, but there's a, an RCMP spouse that handles all of my marketing. And then there's another one now that I've got on as a, a primary buyer's agent and she's killing it. And she was a, a dispatcher prior to um, joining me and she's married to a police officer. So when we talk about knowing not like knowledge in neighborhoods, like we really know the knowledge in the neighborhoods, which is kind of cool. So yeah. yeah, that's great. That's crazy that you have so much uh, first responder, like DNA inside of your business. Uh, that's great. So I think as a fellow first responder myself, I kind of understand that there's different dynamics with different professions. What's it been like for your family being uh, one person being a, a first responder and you trying to grow your business as well, like with the shift work and stuff like that? 
It's, it's really nice because um, he understands if I have to answer the phone, like a lot of realtors are very hard to be married to because they're always on their phone um, and they have to, you know, sometimes go on days that they're not really sure that they're going. And, and uh, it's kind of like on call work a little bit where every phone call is really important. My husband's on the emergency response team now. So if his phone goes off and he has to leave, um, you know, it's very understandable, right? Because he's on call too. The difference is, is that there's no such thing as a, a life or death real estate emergency where uh, for his job, like when he's getting called out, it's it's a very higher profile. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, totally. I guess you guys kind of found two similar careers, but so opposite. Uh, that's kind of unique how he is on the ERT team and how they have to go out at, at a minute's notice. Um, so before we get into why I brought you on the show here, out of curiosity, do you and your husband have any real estate investments? Yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't have a pension or benefits or anything. I love being married to a government worker because they have all that stuff. Uh, so for myself, um, planning my future is really important and I have to make sure that I'm building wealth for generations because I, I don't have that security that other people get through the government jobs. So um, I, you know, talked to my husband a couple of years ago about maybe getting some investment properties. So we're in our single family home that does have a basement suite down below. So we do rent that out uh, to amazing tenants. And then we've got a home in Kelowna that we purchased earlier this year. So that's rented out top and bottom. And then I've got a pre-sale condo in Langley that's coming up in uh, a year or two. So, yeah. Awesome. I think it would be funny just to, to mention here that I'm sure you get top shelf tenants having an RCMP as a landlord. It, it might add that uh, intimidation factor to it. Um, you know, so it's, <laughs> you know, just so we have rented to a lot of first responders, but I actually in Kelowna, because I don't I don't live there. I hire property managers. I love property managers. So I hire them to kind of do all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah and I, I think we're going to go on a different tangent here that now that you mentioned it. Uh, I know a lot of first responders, they, they shy away from investing in real estate because they don't want to manage it. And you just spoke to it and nailed it right on the head that if you want to be hands-on, you can be, but if you don't want to be hands-on, there's the option to to hire it out and, and be like completely hands-off. Like, have you been in your Kelowna property in the last year? I have not. No, I haven't been right. there. I've been they burned down in those fires, thankfully. That was really scary. Um, yeah. But we we basically, I mean the fact that he is a police officer and I'm a real estate agent, we really want to make sure we're not crossing any professional boundaries there as well. Right. Like we would never want a tenant to feel intimidated or, or um, think that they didn't have their rights or anything like that because of our professions. So that's right. why we find it's very important to have another professional involved uh, to, to make sure that everything's good. Obviously not the one in our basement because they, you know, they live underneath us and it's pretty yeah. close quarters. Um, but anything else outside of the house is definitely professional management. So. Yeah, no, it, it just goes to say like like our, our property in Kelowna as well. I haven't I've been in it once in three years. Property yeah. manager deals with everything. It's completely hands off and uh, it may not be cash flow positive at, at this point in time, but it's as close to being uh passive income as I think that you'll find. Um of course. So I think I'd like just to kind of go down this route with you. Um we won't pick on the 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 entity that your husband works for, but he is a police officer. We know that now. Um what challenges do you see from being married to a police officer uh, with achieving financial freedom outside of the traditional banking on your pension? Like, is there, do you find that there is constantly a trade-off uh, in the first responder world for time for money? Or do you see that police officers as a whole have a different mindset than other professions may have? 
I wouldn't, I don't know if it would necessarily be police, um, but I find when I get a first responder, because their government, their jobs are so supported, like they're, they've got such good job security and they've got such good pay and they look so good on paper that everybody's willing to loan them money. Okay. So if I have a client and they're a first responder, especially, and this is going to sound really kind of funny, uh, but if I have a firefighter, the first question I ask is how big is your truck? And do we need to make sure we measure the parking stall in the underground? Okay. So, and they laugh and they go, oh, how do you know that I have a truck? I'm like, you all have trucks. And like, how big is the loan? Cause like they're, they're able to be financed so beautifully. Um, and this is something that I've relied on because uh, even though I can bring in a big chunk of money, uh, I'm, I'm self-employed. So it's trickier for me to get qualifications. So my, my husband's name and not having any debt is a beautiful thing. Uh, so, so we, we use his, his employment as leverage in order to accomplish our financial freedom. Uh, that being said, I do run into Mounties all the time that they don't think about investment properties. They don't think about investing in real estate because they're so heavily reliant on their pension, which is kind of a double-edged sword because I grew up, you know, in a house where pensions aren't necessarily thought of as something that's guaranteed. A lot of people think of them as guaranteed, but you know, the the world is changing, right? So we don't necessarily know what will happen in the future. And I think having more than one uh, revenue stream is very, very important because in my head, if you don't buy something now for your kids, you might not have that opportunity in the future. Like they might not have that opportunity in the future. So if you can take that overtime money, because they do get the opportunity for overtime, there's no shortage of crime in the lower mainland. If they can take that overtime money and put it towards an investment property and and not just spend it or not just pay off their debt or whatever, like like hopefully the dream is that they're debt free, but um, if, if they could take that money and instead of spending it and just relying on the pension, if they could put that towards something that will grow in the future, they'd be way better off way better off. I think uh, it's funny that that was your answer because I grew up in a household. Both my parents were first responders. Uh, they were your stereotypical five-year fixed rate mortgage, pay off the mortgage as fast as you can and just rely on the pension. And it worked out for them. Like they're a baby boomer. Um, and that was the generation of what they did. But I feel now uh, as first responders, all we're conditioned to do is say, oh, well, we have a pension for retirement. Why would we do anything else? And yet they go out and work First responders go out and work endless amounts of overtime. I know as firefighters, a lot of them have professions that they work on their days off because they're all gifted trades and, and gifted talent. But if we just change that mindset, and it'll kind of lead into my next question with you, which I think you already kind of answered it, is if we just change the mindset around like pension is like option one and it's like the, the base of retirement, but like what can we do to benefit uh, first responder families post-retirement? And you nailed it with investing in, in real estate is huge. Um, before I ask the next question, I have a question for you. Because your boots on the ground uh, in the lower mainland here as a realtor, what would you say or what number would you throw at that the average purchase you worked on had a gift involved, whether it be uh, young professionals or young first responders getting into the market and having mom and dad help out with the down payment? And I know my answer from, from my side of things, but from a realtor's perspective, were you privy to know or do you know how many files you would say that you worked on that had a gifted down payment? Uh, I can tell you that I've had two in the last two months alone. So I had somebody who had literally their parents join them on title. Um, and I had another, yeah. And for actually both of them, they had parents join them on title. So it wasn't just money that was given to them or gifted to them. Um, but it was, they, they had co-signers and they had other people on title to help qualify 
uh, just because things are so expensive right now, especially with yeah. interest rates. So um, having families kind of more involved is happening. I know that um, our generation is like the kids of baby boomers are, are standing to inherit the most wealth out of um, any generation prior, which is kind of cool. I know that that's how I got my start. Like I, my parents at the time put me five to seven years ahead. Really, realistically, they put me 20 years ahead. You know what I mean? Because there's no way I would have been able to afford yeah. what I could afford. You know, I did afford at the time. This was eight years ago without their gift. So gifting, especially if you know that money is going towards your kids anyway, and you know what they're going to be using it towards, if you've got that kind of relationship to, with them, if you're able to gift money to your children to help them out now, it's not, you're not just giving them 20 grand or 50 grand or a hundred thousand dollars. You're giving them hundreds of thousands of dollars that these prices are probably going to increase in the future. It's a small number now, but it will pay off so exponentially in the future. Your gift is actually a lot larger. That's my opinion. That's been my experience. Yeah. So like, you, again, you're, you're taking the words out of my mouth. So like, I know from being a mortgage broker and being on this side of the transaction, the average gifted down payment nationwide in the last 12 months was $300,000. So that was the average gifted payment or gifted down payment from whether it be mom and dad or grandma and grandpa. And where I'm going with this is that like, I speak to first responders daily, whether uh, it's through work, through mortgage brokering or just like friends and stuff. And they're all heavily invested in RESPs. And, and what I find is RESPs were created in the nineties for education costs in the nineties, but I think the the hard stop at our RSP is somewhere around ninety to ninety five thousand dollars if you play the game and max out the government's grants. Well, a four year degree program, fifteen years from today, let's call it like a, a bachelor of arts at UBC. The degree and the room and board is one hundred thirty five thousand dollars. So automatically, we have a forty thousand dollar gap. And let's say our first responders are going to retire in fifteen years. Where are they going to come up with forty thousand dollars in retirement? Um, so I like what you said. Like you're not just giving your child twenty thousand uh, dollars for a down payment. You're giving them like the opportunity, uh, the opportunity basically to pay for education with debt free, or they could you know not go to school the traditional styles of school, take the money in the property and redeploy it, whether it be a trades program or or they want to sell the condo and, and do whatever. So uh, you kind of nailed that uh, and took the words out of my mouth. And I think you might have already answered this, but I'm going to ask it again. In your experience working with police officers and, and fellow first responders across the country, what would you say the number one obstacle is with educating them on thinking outside the box and not trying to rely on the pension for retirement? I think it's very hard because in the lower mainland especially, because it's so expensive here, I do get a lot of Mounties that are not from here. So they look at how things are afforded in other places. And it doesn't look that attractive to put your money into the lower mainland, into a condo where you don't have the option of being income positive. Okay. So like you said, like even in Kelowna, you're not income positive. There's going to be a little bit of bills every single month that you're contributing to. So it's very hard to ask people to, Hey, take out this uh, mortgage on this property. And now you're a landlord. So you're dealing with the public, which of course you don't really want to do. And, um, and it's going to cost you money every month. Right. Like that seems very, very backwards for people to tell people, hey, how about this for savings account where you're going to be spending money every month? Like who signs up for that? Right. It's like you're you're signing up for a bill. But what they forget is like when you're talking about our like RESPs and stuff, they can have this property and they can hold like the, the, the dream. The goal is to hold on to it. Right. So that it can can give you more options in the future that that other avenues 
won't have. So I think there's a lack of education and a lack of comfort around, you know, you, you know, you've got these people who are, are hired and they've got so much job security and so much everything and the, the, the money comes to them. And then you're, you're asking them to, to go into a situation where they're going to put money out and they're not going to see it for a while. And I think that's a hard place to be for most people. I would say it sounds really risky and it doesn't sound like much fun. You're not getting the reward right away. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Right. Like it's, there's no, uh, benefit in benefit out right away with investing in real estate. Cause I, I think you kind of said it and, and my family's standpoint is we're buying and trying to hold, buy as much real estate and hold for as long as possible. And this way we're not subject to market volatility. We're just buying, you know, hopefully a property a year and we're trying yes. to hang on, hang on to them for 15 years at least because historically like year over year growth in the lower mainland, especially in Toronto, maybe not so much the other provinces, like it's been double digit growth um, consistently across the board for 30 years. Um, I, I think one thing that you nailed there is that uh, questions that I get all the time or, or comments when I ask fellow first responders, why aren't you investing in real estate? Like I, I know how much overtime you worked or, you know, I know you have some disposable income, like why haven't you thought about it? And they really just don't know how to do it. They don't know how to take the steps. And and I feel like that's where this podcast I'm hoping will, will provide some value to to first responders is where we go over what it actually means to borrow money from a line of credit to invest in real estate and what the tax implications or benefits will be from doing so. Um, so I think you nailed that. And then you also spoke to Mounties out of province looking at BC as a whole and it's not as attractive. And my question is kind of the flip side, like have you seen a large clientele of police officers specifically, Mounties even more specifically because they have that ability to transfer exiting BC because of the, the cost of living here. Yeah. So over, especially over the last couple of years, um, we saw kind of a mass exodus to Ontario because you can get such a huge home uh, because these are people that grew up there or they grew up in these other parts of Canada where um, they're used to having a backyard and like, you know, they're, they're going to go to Ontario and of course it's going to be a little colder there, um, but they can get the lifestyle that they, they love. They can buy, you know, they can live in a row home here or they can go there and buy a big house with a pool, you know, and it's hard to give up that lifestyle, even if they like the teams here more. They might like the work in the lower mainland and the weather in the lower mainland better, but they're going to give up the lifestyle. Um, so we've had a mass exodus to the Okanagan. Of course, that's slowed down a little bit now. Um, and the uh, Ottawa and the um, uh, Maritime provinces, if they can go back to the Maritimes and get waterfront property uh you know, and make the same wage because it's not like the RCMP pays uh, the member in Ontario this much and the member in BC this much to make it even across, like, right? Like they keep it all even. Yeah, they no, don't for adjust sure. for where you live. So a member in BC is going to be able to afford significantly less getting paid the same amount than somebody who's living in PEI where they can get oceanfront property. Uh, so coming to BC now, of course, we do need the need because there's there's so many people here that we do need we, we need the recruits that come out of depot. Um, but I what I'm finding there's two trains of thought, maybe al almost three trains of thought. Somebody will leave and they will vow that they are never coming back, and they will go and they will never come back. Then I have something called my boomerang clients who move away thinking, yeah, grass is greener. I love home, love Ontario. I'm gonna see my family, and they come back like a year later. They swear they never would. But now instead of coming back to a townhouse or a single family home, they're they're one below. They're now going to a condo or a townhouse. So they don't get to come back and live in the same neighborhoods in the same homes. And then there's the third client that I try to get my hooks into 
And I say, hey, if you're going to sell and you're going to move, you're going to go have forced housing, everything's going to be paid for you because you're going to some little island or somewhere. Um, let's take your money from your sale and let's invest it so that you always have somewhere to come back to. Because if you move out of BC, if you don't invest when you're leaving, you might not be able to get back in the door. So it's it's a it's a tricky conversation, I think. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. And I know uh, firefighters almost specifically like they don't have the ability to transfer city to city because they're municipal employees. And my wife and I just got back from Scottsdale and and uh, we were looking at real estate for fun and like a, a beautiful five bedroom home, acre lot, six car garage with a pool. It was $770,000 American. So let's put the conversion in there. It's like what 1.1 million. And you know, that might get you a, a townhouse in, in Langley today. Um, but uh, you're, you're right. Like there's no, the wage parity is the same. It's the same across the country. It is a tough sell to come to BC um, investing wise. Yeah. Like, you know, it's going to be cash flow negative right now, but like you said, if you leave the BC market, you're not getting back in on par. You're going to be coming in behind the eight ball. And, and we've seen those huge lifts. Like anyone that purchased pre-pandemic now is sitting on, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars of equity, even after the market's corrected this last six months. Would you stick around for our responder roundup? Yes, of course. <laughs> awesome. So hey everyone, real quick. The responder roundup is brought to you by SGS Mortgages, helping Canadians achieve wealth through real estate. For a no-commitment 15-minute chat, go to www.chatwithscott.ca to see if we can help you. So the Responder Roundup is six lighthearted questions, quick and easy, light and breezy. Here we go. Question number one, what is one book that you've read in the last 12 months that you would highly recommend? Uh, there is a book called Big Little Legends by Gare Maxwell. I was able to see him uh, speak, and he's the one who... Um, got me to do a podcast actually because it's all about how people have stories and like why should somebody care about yours basically is what it comes down to it's kind of neat so if anyone's in business that's a good one um, I also read uh, Donald Trump's Art of the Deal which I oh. thought was really good so those are two that I really enjoyed but yeah Inter interesting those are two that I haven't heard and uh, I'll have to check that podcast one out because it was for me it was it was quite the the mental back and forth to, to actually develop this podcast. But uh, I think it's just everyone's doing podcasts now. I think the, the listeners benefit. They're the winners in the end. Okay. Yeah. Question two, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh gosh. My mom makes a good plate of spaghetti. I would eat okay. that. Pasta. Awesome. Yep. hundred percent. I would eat pasta every day. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay. Favorite quote. Uh, I'm your Huckleberry. What was that? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's I'm your Huckleberry. It's from um the movie Tombstone, which is my favorite movie. Okay. So I'll kill two birds, two questions with yeah. one stone. There, interesting. Has anyone yeah, seen Tombstone? It is a fantastic, fantastic movie. Off, off, check it out. Okay, for our friends who don't like to leave their home province, what's your favorite city to travel to in BC? Probably Victoria. Love it. Yeah. My wife and I went to Victoria for the first time a couple of years ago and absolutely fell in love uh, with Oak Bay. Uh, the Oak Bay Beach yeah. Hotel is one of our favorites. Yeah, I like Victoria. Okay. Last question and I'll let you get out of here. What is one thing you've purchased for under a thousand dollars that's had a positive impact on your life? This one is hard. When I read that message, I read it out to my husband because I was reviewing this last night and he goes, 
was under a thousand dollars because that's like the sweet spot right like a thousand it's it's the price it's the price that's the hardest part of this yeah um and I didn't know how to answer like like what do you say like my cat was four hundred dollars I hey. love my cat yeah but is that like you know what I mean because yeah. everything else like my phone like exercise equipment everything's just over a thousand dollars and that's positive as well but um, if I had to answer, it would probably be, I've got a really nice cat. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Well, we appreciate you coming on today. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Uh, I'm everywhere. So I, I, I actually have a podcast called Spilling the Tea, where we talk about um, crazy situations in real estate. I interview a homeowner and a, and um, a guest speaker, whether it's an agent or first responder or anything like that. So that's, uh, you can listen to me there if if you want to hear more. Um, and then otherwise, I'm on Instagram. It's Christy Masero Real Estate. Um, yeah, so that's that's where I am. Awesome, Christy. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of First Responder to Riches. We hope you found value in this episode and ask that you click the follow button on your preferred podcast platform. And please take a minute to leave a five-star review. Your feedback and positive reviews help us reach more first responders like you who are seeking financial freedom. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe, stay inspired, and keep investing in your future.